Giuseppe, let me ask you a question. Shoot. You are constantly on the internet, and your voice is posted all over the place. Am I right? I'm sorry. I wasn't listening. I was on my iPhone when you asked that. You were listening to your own voice from our last episode, no doubt. (laughs) Well, it's something wrong with that. (laughs) What I was going to ask you is, how do you respond to all of the negative comments you get about your hosting of this podcast? I'm only getting the good comments. I, I actually, what happens is I change the name that usually says Brian. I put Giuseppe in there just so you don't feel bad. Oh. But now I guess, I, you know, the cat's out of the bag there. Well, tonight we're going to be talking with Amber MacArthur, a social media expert all about kids' privacy, cyberbullying, and online behavior. This week on Family Anatomy. Hosts of Family Anatomy are psychologists, but they're not your psychologist. So if you need to talk to someone about family or mental health issues, you can get a referral from your family doctor. This show is for information only. Welcome to Family Anatomy, your source for parenting and relationship information with your hosts, Dr. Giuseppe Spezzano and Dr. Brian McDonald. You can find us at familyanatomy.com or over on iTunes, and let's get right into the online world today. That's right. You know, we're going to be talking, like you said in the intro there, to Amber MacArthur. She's an established digital marketing and social media speaker, author, host, producer, and consultant based out of Toronto. That's right, actually. I've been watching Amber on television for years, years and years, and we met her at a conference in Niagara Falls in the fall, and we were able to get together to set up a a chat about online behavior because, I mean, we talked about internet safety ages ago when we first started the podcast. I think it was episode 38 we were talking about it, but things have changed. I mean, in five years, a lot has changed. It was 2008 when we did that episode, so almost six years ago. Things have changed a lot. You're right. I mean, that used to be the, the old common wisdom there like the old common wisdom like three years ago <laughs> was that, well, I'm thinking three years ago because we were renovating the studio and, and our, our home and one of the things we were considering with the architect was having a desk built into the kitchen so that we could have a desktop there so we could monitor our kids' online behavior. Right. Now, (laughs) that would be a bit of a... I mean, you could still do that, but there's so much mobile devices, I mean, that it's a little bit of an antiquated idea. It it absolutely is. And they do... I I know my kids are watching YouTube in the bedroom sometimes, or they're chatting with their friends online. When... I think it might have been a year ago when a lot of my son's friends started to get iPods and iPads and things like that, and... All of a sudden, they were all on this iMessage group chat for the first time. He was with half the people in his class, and there would be a few people who would start to become inappropriate, and none of us could figure out a way to turn that off. That's right. Well, I mean, you you have slightly older kids than I do. Well, one of them at least is older, so you're getting into more of the teenage situation with that. I mean, there there's some group chats with my 10-year-old, but there's only two people. 
<laughs> so it's <laughs> a little bit, really but you know, but even it's with like a phone call, yeah, but even with two people, you know, that you, 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 I think there's an awareness that kids start to develop, and and I think with the help of their parents, they can get there a little bit sooner because I think they need to. You know, because sometimes he'll get on that group chat thinking that he's only addressing the one person. Right. But really, he's not only is he addressing one one of his friends or two of his friends there, he's probably addressing the parents, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. that he doesn't realize. Right. And he's probably addressing a bunch of other friends when they turn their iPad around and they show the text that my son's been sent. Well, that's something, right? Because they're putting this stuff down in writing, too, which is a little bit different than, I mean, right now, you could be on a phone call with somebody and say something, and it might be a joke, and it's kind of a once-off, but... What, a, you're putting it down in writing so it lasts, and B... It, it's hard to deny the black and white. Well, and in writing, you can't... There's no tone. So you might be saying something in kind of a joking, offhand manner, but the person on the other end might not recognize that as a joke because they can't hear your tone of voice and they can't see your body language. That's right. So, you know, I think I've I've talked about this recently that, you know, my son's young enough, he's only 10, and so... You know, I monitor what he's texting. Right. Whenever he sends a text or a friend sends a text to him, I see it mirrored on my own device. Now, he knows this, and he's comfortable enough with it now because he's 10. And, and in fact, I feel like because he knows it, sometimes he forgets. Right. You know, to be yeah. honest, he forgets that I... He's like a reality TV star who forgets that the cameras (laughs) are on all the time. That's it. But other times, you know, I remind him that, you know, I've seen this and uh, I'd like to talk about something that's been said because it's either something that I think we should discuss because he's learning about his friends or something I'm more concerned with. So that I I think he's actually happy at times that, that I am doing that because there's a certain sense of safety the same way he shares secrets with me uh, and is happy to know what my opinion is and and it's a certain sense of security there but I feel like the supervision is important not only for safety reasons but also as a learning tool like as a way for me to teach him before it's too late about how how wide a net he's throwing out there with his device it's so interesting because it's different from what we used to do. You know, we would teach kids about being kind to the other kids in their class and being careful not to say things that might hurt someone's feelings. And now with the anonymity of a, of an online conversation or or a chat, I think sometimes kids will say things, some inappropriate things without necessarily realizing that what they're doing is is inappropriate because it's so anonymous it's so uh, it's so one step removed from from real life it's sort of like kids sometimes don't realize when they're doing things like excluding other kids from their group of peers or spreading maybe spreading rumors about one of their classmates that that's a kind of bullying too well this online behavior can be bullying as well that's it and sometimes it's anonymous like you get these threads at the end of a of an article or at the end of a YouTube video or something where people are commenting and they get really really nasty yeah. um but other times it's not so much the anonymity it's so many steps removed from the most threatening things which is eye to eye contact right so if you're in therapy let's say with a couple 
and you ask them to turn and look at each other in in the eye, it's the most threatening thing. I mean, it's for for humans, it's also you know you, you don't look a dog in the eyes, right? It's the same idea. There's yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a level of threat that that can be implied there, uh, that vulnerability too. So you're getting far removed from that. You're not even in the same room. You're not eye to eye. You're not in the same room. You're not shoulder to shoulder as we talked about a couple of weeks ago. There. Mm-hmm. Um, you're all these steps removed. It just makes it a little bit safer for you to do something that you wouldn't do in person. And yet the consequences can be just as devastating as what you did or worse. Well, it can be more devastating because the information is lasting and you don't know who's going to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I don't monitor my kids' texts the same way that you do. I have the ability to do that and they're aware of it. And that, you know, they know that I can pick up their phone at any time and they're not allowed to have a password on it that I don't know, first of all, because they tend to put passwords on and then forget what the passwords were. And then we wind up having to delete everything and start all over again from scratch. So that was how that started, even before they were texting any of their friends. But so they're aware that I have access. I don't take advantage of that very often, but I have started talking to them about how the things you put up online last how long they stick around, and the fact that the person you're talking to may not be the only person who sees it, just the same way that I see my kids' texts. You know, the good news is that obviously parents have a responsibility here, but if it was just up to parents alone, I think it'd be such an uphill climb. But the good news is that the government and media have started to climb on board and create sort of a culture of understanding for this. And I, you know, I, I, I see commercials on TV about cyberbullying. I see mm-hmm. posters in the high schools about, uh, you know, it's like there's a poster of someone taking a, taking a selfie and the next thing you know, it's, you know, it's everywhere. Look what everyone's seeing, you know? And uh, so I think right. there's a certain, you know, context of education that's coming up around parents that I think going forward is a is a positive thing. Well, that's one of the reasons why we wanted to do this episode, right? We wanted to do this episode so that we could talk to somebody who's experienced in this online, in, in all of these online communities. I mean, we're talking about Facebook, we're talking about Google. We really wanted to talk to someone with some okay, experience. Okay, well, let's get her on. Absolutely. Let's get Amber MacArthur on the line. Hello, Amber. Welcome to the show. The first thing I wanted to ask you about is what do you think parents and kids need to know about online privacy? Because that's something that can be linked to their safety on the internet. That is a great question. And I think this is something that a lot of parents are really struggling with today, trying to figure out how to teach their kids about privacy, what to do, what's the right age to teach their kids about privacy. And I fear that that age is getting earlier and earlier all the time. I know my son, who's almost five, he recently asked to start his own YouTube channel to teach other kids how to play Minecraft. And at that point, I had to explain to him, well, it has to be a private channel. I don't want other people being able to watch it who you don't know. And so I've almost had the beginnings of a privacy conversation with him, and he's not even five. You're starting to talk with your your son about privacy. And I remember in the olden days, way back when the internet first started to become more popular, that I used to recommend to parents, well, make sure that your computer is in uh, an area where the kids can be monitored, but now they're carrying their computers with them all over the place. That uh, makes things more difficult for parents. 
That does. But I don't think parents should feel all that hopeless altogether. I mean, I think at the end of the day, we have to remember who pays the bills, right? <laughs> who right. pays for the internet connection? Who pays for the devices? So we shouldn't really feel as though we're totally helpless. We should feel in some ways that we do have the power to make changes and to say, you know what, if you're too young, maybe you're not allowed to play on the iPad in your bedroom. Maybe it still has to be down in the family room where I can monitor what you're doing. And it's okay to do that. At a certain age, I think when they get into their teens, Obviously, you know, you have to be a little bit more flexible. But at the end of the day, if you're still paying the bills and they're living under your roof, don't forget that you do have the power to really be able to sit down and say, these are my rules and we need to make sure that you follow them. Okay. And I remember last summer, I was a little bit shocked last summer to read when Matthew Ingram was writing on GigaOM about spying on his daughters. He spent years monitoring his daughter's behavior online using keystroke loggers and, and all kinds of different tools. What do you think... When kids can't be directly monitored by their parents, what can parents do? Well, I mean, I think there are more and more options out there. I think it's one of those things where if you feel comfortable and you feel as though it's your right to be able to monitor what they're doing, you see situations like Matthew Ingram where he did exactly that. Uh, I don't know because I don't have teenagers. Maybe my mindset will shift a little bit, but I, I do think in some ways, hopefully, that I'll be able to trust them with some simple tools. I mean, I know a lot of people who use iPhones with their kids and they just have Find My Phone as a, a, an app that they use to be able to figure out where their kids are. And there is an element of being able to feel secure in that, just knowing where they are at any given time without actually spying on them. So I think at the end of the day, it's kind of an individual choice depending on your family. Are there safer places online where you think kids can learn from experience about their online, well, digital socialization, I guess you could call it? I think that it's unfortunate that there aren't more places where they can learn about staying safe online. I think it, they've been kind of beaten over the head by various people from teachers to parents to the government and saying, oh, you need to be safe, you need to be safe. But I don't think a lot of that messaging is coming from their peers. And it would be nice to see a little bit more of that where you you have people talking to them of their own age, where they, they are able to really relate to them. Because I do imagine that they face different issues than we can't even imagine because we just are, are that much older and it's been so long since we've been, we've been faced with some of those things. Every single day I think to myself, thank goodness there wasn't Facebook and Twitter when I was in high school. What an added layer of pressure. So I think we uh, you know, should, should make sure that we have conversations with them and figure out ways that we can help them learn too. Parents are pretty good at knowing the kinds of questions they need to ask their kids about what are they doing in the real world, you know, about their friends and meeting their friends' parents and where are you going to be and what are you going to be up to. But I feel like that doesn't necessarily translate over into the online world because parents often don't know enough about what their kids are doing. Are there questions that parents should be asking? Yes, I think there are questions. And I really think parents need to be a little bit less lazy about this one issue in the sense that I think they need to take it uh, upon themselves to learn about some of these new social networks. It really doesn't take that long to go onto Facebook, for example, and read up a little bit on privacy, how to protect yourself from showing up in third party ads, those type of things. So I think parents have to educate themselves a lot more than they currently do. It isn't a situation where most parents understand the tech that their kids are using. So I think uh, parents have been a little bit lazy on this front. And I hope we see more parents reading up in it. I, I just finished an entire book about Minecraft just so I can keep up with my kid. So, you know, this is just the beginning for me. You've gone from reading what to expect when you're expecting <laughs> to reading about 
video games. <laughs> yes, how Minecraft was created. That's basically uh, my reading material over the past week. And I love it because I want to know what he's doing. I want to know what's what's triggering his obsession with a game like Minecraft. And I don't expect that it's something where I can just sit back and say, oh, he's just playing this game. I don't get it. I really do want to understand the dynamics of Minecraft. I want to understand what he's learning and you know how to make sure that he's learning and, and there is balance there as well. One of the things that is really important for keeping your online information safe is a good password. And I can't tell you how many times I've had to reset my kids' devices because they put a password on it and then forgotten what it was. <laughs> do, you, do you have any hints or secrets for parents related to password security? Because I think even parents uh, don't necessarily know how to set up a, a good password on their devices. Well, maybe the kids are savvier than us because I just read this article that said the safest password is the password you can't remember. <laughs> because no one knows it. And so I think that perhaps kids are smarter than we think they are because maybe they've created complicated passwords. But at the end of the day, I think we need to make sure that we tell our kids that if they are creating passwords, it shouldn't include their names, their, their streets, their, their, you know, any, any numbers as far as their birthdays, all, all that information. And in fact, some ways, even just a simple phrase can be a great password with a a number attached at the end of it. So I think that's a, a new way of teaching kids about passwords, not names or places, but instead, a phrase, a unique phrase that no one else would be able to get with maybe two digits attached to that. Okay. Now, of course, being online, kids can post things fairly anonymously. You're not in a face-to-face interaction. And I know more and more kids who are putting up videos on YouTube or who are creating podcasts or other kinds of materials. And if, if I were a child and had to read the comments that I see on YouTube, I don't think I'd have a very positive reaction to that. What do you think about how parents can prepare their kids for uh, possible reactions to the things they put up online? Well, if the kids are young enough, I mean, you can set up a YouTube channel and you can ensure that comments are not attached to that channel so you can remove comments altogether. So that's one option if they're young enough. And I think that's a really great option because it can get pretty nasty out there. The second option is to, to talk to them and make them understand that I think at the end of the day, maybe they can monitor the comments that go out there. I mean, the, the thing I find about technology and parents and kids is that we have this feeling that we're all powerless, but we're not. We're not powerless at all. I mean, kids do have the power to say, you know what? It's my YouTube channel. I control that space, which means that I decide what comments go up there. I go in, my parents teach me how to moderate those comments, and I approve or I reject those comments. You don't have to open it up. The internet, you don't have to basically sacrifice your privacy and your integrity just because there's that pressure. You can control it a lot more than I think people are doing right now. And that's an important part of the response to cyberbullying, I think. You hear more and more about kids who are being harassed online on a more ongoing basis. How do you think parents and kids can prevent or respond to those kinds of situations? I think cyberbullying has gotten a little bit out of control. And I think the number one thing I would say is I think parents could be better role models in some ways in, in terms of cyberbullying, because I see a lot of bullying going on on Twitter and on Facebook among friends of mine who are in their 30s and who are parents in the sense that not bullying necessarily each other, but we will ridicule people who are you know public personalities, perhaps. And I think we're not setting the best model we could. And at the end of the day with cyberbullying, I think it's a, a situation where you got to start teaching that really early on. And I unfortunately think there's a generation of kids who missed getting that education in schools because they just kind of got on the internet. It was sort of a new thing. But I look at my son's generation and, and they're doing a lot of teachings at a young age. And I think that will be very beneficial and hopefully cyberbullying will turn around in the future. 
So schools and peers both need to play an important role in making sure that kids are safe and that they can have a positive experience online? They really do. I mean, I think schools need to take more responsibility. Teachers need to take more responsibility. They need to learn. And I can understand why you wouldn't be fascinated with what's happening today with online culture and, and how kids are migrating to these different services. It's very interesting to see their habits. And I think at the end of the day, teachers can be really great role models for some of these kids. Now, some of these kids are coming to school with their devices. And I've sometimes been surprised to see the kinds of things that a child will do uh, if he gets his hands on his friend's cell phone oh, no. uh, and, and the sorts of things that happen then. Do you have any ideas about cell phone security? That is also a great question. You know, there's a, a school board that I'm familiar with who does that does allow kids to take their devices to class. They, in fact, they do encourage it. I think when it comes to a kid taking another kid's phone and taking pictures and doing things they're not supposed to do, I think, again, it, all this education has to happen a lot younger than it's traditionally been happening within the school environment, but also at home. I mean, I don't think it's out of line that you have a conversation with your kid as soon as they can talk and start using devices, a conversation about cyberbullying, about safety, about security, all of those different things and kind of beat it into their heads. I mean, my parents did the same thing with me in terms of wearing my seatbelt from a really young age. You know, I always knew I always have to wear my seatbelt and they kind of drilled it into my head. So we have to take the same responsibility when it comes to technology. It's definitely not a one-time discussion. It's something that needs to happen in an ongoing way, and the information probably changes, right, as the kids get older. It is. I was just reading a stat that talked about how 38% of children under two years old have used a smartphone on a regular basis. I mean, we're talking, you know, a totally different generation, call them digital natives or whatever you would like, a new generation of kids that are growing up, and this stuff is everywhere around them. So we need to be able to kind of reel things in a little bit. So they need to look after their information online and not post personal things like their names or their address or anything like that. They need to uh, really hear over and over and over again about how important it is to behave online the way that you would behave in the real world if you were interacting with someone face-to-face. -face. They sure do. And I mean, I think, again, I go back to parents being role models. I see a lot of parents posting pictures of their kids that are kind of personal pictures. I mean, if we're doing this to them when they're little kids, how can we expect them to really understand that there are private moments? Because all I see in my Facebook feed are literally pictures of kids who are in the bathtub or who are having a birthday party in front of their new schools. I mean, come on, people, smarten up. It blurs the boundaries of privacy the for boundaries. sure. I, I really, I don't post pictures of my son online and I feel like, you know what, I want to give him a clean slate and it will be his choice. And with my guidance, hopefully he will have a positive reputation on the internet versus one that could be marred with uh, my inability to control how many baby pictures I wanted to put up. Amber, it's been great talking to you today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm sure we could spend another half hour talking about this stuff. We sure could. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, so that brings us to the end of our quick chat with Amber MacArthur. You know, what I found was really interesting is that, you know, she read an entire book on Minecraft just to get to know what her kids are into. We didn't say that at the beginning of, of the show, this idea that you, you need to be interested and curious about what your kids are doing, not just, well, not just in their life, but online as well. And it's so, it's so foreign to so many parents that it's a little bit daunting and intimidating 
you need to learn about this stuff or else you're you're never going to know or understand what your kids are. Well, that's it. It's like I say, there's a surveillance aspect and there's also the getting to know them and the learning and the teaching that you're able to do if you do get into that stuff. I think it was also interesting that she was saying you have to be a good role model. I really like that, yeah. You know, because if you look around like this kind of culture of ridicule that you see, it's not, it's online for sure because... Well, everybody's an author, and there's enough motivated people out there to do that. But I mean, you see it uh, on television. Uh, you see it in the tabloids. I mean, there's a lot of general ridicule that happens. You even see it where you know you might find yourself ridiculing someone that's not in your child's presence at the time, thinking that that is an innocent thing, but at the same time. You're, you know, what you're doing is teaching them that that's okay at some level. Right. And you, you do need to be aware of that and alert to it because they have so many opportunities now that maybe we wouldn't have thought of when we were their age to engage in that kind of ridiculing or insulting sort of behavior and maybe not even recognizing that what they're doing is insulting someone else or hurting their feelings. Exactly. Well, I think that's it for us. You can reach us at familyanatomy.com or email us at info at familyanatomy.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter and Google+. If you're listening on your iPhone or iPod, you can find us on the podcast app. As usual, we'll leave you with a bit of a tune by Brother Love, and he's over at brotherloverocks.com. Thanks for listening. See you in two weeks. Family Anatomy.com. <laughs> <laughs>